Welcome to the Enoch Pratt Free Library, Central Library Children's Department. How many of you have never been here before? Everyone has been here before. Excellent. Every year we do a fairy tale month, and every year we do a special fairy tale program. And, and this year we have chosen to do food stories. Now, I know you all know the gingerbread boy, you know the little red hen. These are all folk tales and fairy tales that you're familiar with. We're going to be telling you stories that you may never have heard of before. Oh, one of the stories you've heard of before, but it's not going to be quite the same story that you're used to. And we do have some books on display up here that if you want to know more about the story, you can check them out. If not today, then another time. So we're going to have some stories about food, and the story that I've chosen to tell comes from this book called The Goblin's Giggle, also found in this one called Even More Short and Shivery. The name of the story is Mary Culhane and the Dead Man. And I have with me an authentic blackthorn walking stick, which plays a prominent role in the story. I just wanted to see what one looks like before we get started. Mary Culhane lived with her family on the other side of the graveyard. One night, her father stopped to rest after work by the side of a new-dug grave. He didn't realize it at the time, but he left his walking stick by the grave. As he was sitting down to supper, he said, oh, his wife said, what's wrong? He says, I've left my new blackthorn walking stick by the side of a new dug grave, and I'm afraid the gypsies will take it, for it is a fine shillelagh. A shillelagh is a big, stout stick. All the other children thought of the haunted tombs and looked down at their plates. But Mary Culhane stood up and said, I'll get it for you, father. And she ran out into the night. She walked away until she came to the graveyard, and there she saw her father's blackthorn walking stick standing stark and bare against the gray-green of the graveyard grass. She went up to it and reached her hand out, but before she could grab hold, a voice called to her from the grave. Stay your hand, Mary Culhane, touch not that stick, but come and open my coffin. Mary Culhane shivered, and Mary Culhane shook, but... She felt compelled to lift the lid of the casket, and then she looked down into the dull, lifeless eyes of the dead man. Take me upon your back, Mary Culhane, said he, but she was so paralyzed with fear she could not move an inch. So the dead man climbed out of the grave himself and upon her back put his cold, clammy hands around her neck and bade her carry him to the town. Mary walked with his dead weight upon her back till she felt she could walk no further. But when she stopped, the dead man's hands tightened around her neck, and somehow she found the strength to continue. She walked until she came to the first house in the town where the dead man bade her stop, and he sniffed the air. I smell clean water, but I smell holy water. I cannot enter. Walk on, Mary Culhane. At the second house, again, he sniffed the air. I smell clean water, but I smell holy water. I cannot enter. Walk on, Mary Culhane. At the third house, when he sniffed the air, he said, I smell no clean water, but I smell no holy water either. Take me inside, Mary Culhane. She took him inside and put him down by a table, and he bade her bring him something to eat and something to drink. She brought him oatmeal, but she said, there is no clean water in the house. Never mind, the dead man. Bring me a razor and a small bowl. She did this. Then he climbed upon her back once more and bade her carry him upstairs. On the first room on the right, there were three young boys asleep in their beds. The dead man took the razor and made a cut in one finger of each of the three boys, and three drops of blood dripped into the small bowl from each finger. With the first drop of blood, their bodies became cold. With the second drop of blood, all color fled from their faces. 
With the third drop of blood, they stopped breathing. That's for having no clean water in the house of the dead man. Then he bade Mary carry him downstairs, and there he mixed the blood with the oatmeal. Then he divided it into two portions, giving half to Mary, half for himself. Now eat, he said, and he began to devour his portion with great relish, licking his pale lips with delight. When he wasn't looking, Mary took the scarf that was on her head and tied it around her neck and began to spoon all of her portion of the oatmeal and blood into it. Not one bite touched her lips. Have you finished yet, Mary, Colhane, said he. Oh, yes, said Mary, but I must clean up so they would not know we are here. And when her back was to him, she took the scarf full of the oatmeal and blood and hid it in a cupboard because she knew when he climbed upon her back once more, he would be able to smell it. And indeed, as soon as she had cleaned up, the dead man climbed upon her back and bade her carry him back to the graveyard. As she walked, as slowly as she dared, Mary asked, is there no way to save those three boys from death? None at all, said the dead man. Oh, if a bite of the oatmeal and blood should touch their lips, three bites is all it would take. They would wake and nothing would have happened. But it is all eaten, and they are dead forever. They continued walking, and Mary Culhane heard the cock crowing. Oh, it is nearly morning. I must go home. Nay, Mary Culhane, that is not the cock crowing. That is an owl hooting. Walk on. They passed a field with three large stones. Do you see those stones, Mary Culhane? Beneath each is a fortune in gold. Only the dead know this. Mary wondered, for she wasn't dead. And they walked further. And again she heard the cock crowing, I must go home, my mother will be worried about me. Nay, Mary Culhane, that is not the cock crowing. That is a wee lamb calling its mother. Walk on. Mary walked until she came within sight of the graveyard. She dragged her feet as much as she could, but it was an inexorable process. She got to the grave, the open grave, and the dead man said, and now, Mary Culhane, you will come with me. And he began to pull her down, his cold, lifeless, fleshless hands pulling down her warmth. And all of a sudden, the cock crowed a third time and the dead man fell back into the grave alone. Ah, Mary Culhane, said he, if I had but known the cock would crow three times before I had you with me, I would never have told you the secrets of the dead. Mary Culhane closed his eyes, crossed his hands over his chest, picked up her father's blackthorn walking stick, and wearily made her way home. She set the stick by the fire, went in and fell into her bed, fully clothed. She was so tired. It seemed... Only a few minutes later that her mother was shaking her awake. Get up, you lazy girl. How can you lie in bed like this when our neighbor's three sons have died in their beds this very night? Oh, mother, said Mary, look at me. I am sick unto death. And her mother looked at her, and she was as pale as the sheets. So the rest of the family left her there, and they went to comfort their neighbors. Mary slept until noon. Then she got up and had some milk warmed over the fire and some bread and honey, and then she too went to the neighbor's house. She walked right up to the parents of the three dead boys, and she said, you needn't worry. Why, you heartless girl, how can you say such a thing? Our three sons are dead in their, in their beds. Oh, said Mary, I, I only meant that I could bring them back to life. What would you give me if I could bring them back to life? We would give you anything, but it is not possible. What would you give me, she said, Would you possibly give me your field with the three stones for my own? Don't blaspheme, girl. It is not possible. But hypothetically, she said, what would you give me if I could bring them back to life? We would give you anything, but it cannot be done. Well, why didn't you humor me, she said. Write out a contract and sign it to make it legal. What could it hurt, they thought. So they wrote out a contract, and they signed it, and Mary signed it, and as soon as it was legal, 
She bade them all leave the house. Then she went to the kitchen cupboard where she had put the scarf with the oatmeal and blood in it, and she took a spoon and went upstairs and fed three bites to each of the three dead boys. With the first bite, their bodies became warm. With the second bite, the color returned to their faces. With the third bite, they breathed the breath of deep sleep. Mary went to the window and called the parents, come and wake your sons. And they all rushed upstairs and shook the boys. They sat up in bed as if nothing had happened. Then everyone crowded around Mary to see what had befallen her the night before, and she told everything except about the gold. The next week they honored the contract and gave Mary the land with the three stones, and she dug up the gold. There was so much money that she could build a house with a room for every day of the year. It is also said that when she was old enough, she married the oldest of the three boys. It is also said that she always keeps clean water and holy water in her house, and she never, ever eats oatmeal. <laughs> and that's the story of Mary Culhane and the dead man. And now for something completely different than oatmeal. <laughs> My story has tasty food too. It's called Three Wishes. But before we start, I have a question for you. If you could wish for anything in the world, what would you wish for? There's a lot of wishes here. You put your hand up very early. Tell me. A dirt bike. A dirt bike, okay. Ooh, that's a wish. Wife said, 
flowerpots. The man said, well, we could wish for a donkey to carry home our wood, or even a cart and horse to carry us around town. The wife said, well, we could wish for a chest of fine jewels. The man said, or a mountain of gold coins. We could wish never to go hungry, said the wife.
and they were terrified that their parents meant to leave them deep in the great dark woods. Gretel said, Hansel, Hansel, what shall we do? We might be eaten by wild beasts. Hansel said, never fear, Gretel. I shall pickle something. Late that night, when the family was asleep, Hansel crept out the window and gathered up a pocket full of gleaming white stones, just like this one. Did you guys have a stone to check Having filled up his pocket, when they set out the next morning into the great dark wood, Hansel periodically would stop, turn around, and face the house. What he was doing was dropping a stone along the path so that to mark his way back. His stepmother said, Hansel, Hansel, what are you doing? Hurry up. And he said, my little white kitten is waving to me from the roof. And she said, silly boy, there is no white kitten. That is just the sun reflecting off the chimney. So the family trudged further and further into the wood until finally they found a clearing where the father built a great fire and they left the children each with a small piece of bread by the fire telling them that they were going off to cut wood and return for them later. But the children knew better. They ate their piece of bread and fell asleep by the fire. And when they awoke, the fire was out and the great dark wood was dark, not a star in the sky. But soon, the moon came out, and they could see each of the little white stones point their way back to their own cottage. It took them all night, but they arrived at the cottage early in the morning. Needless to say, their stepmother was very cross. She did not expect them to return. But she said, you naughty children, you've been out all night. You kept us up worried. Get, uh, hurry up and get ready to do your chores. So the things, things went on as they had for a while family struggling on just barely a pittance to, to live on when another famine struck the land. This time, the family was forced to, uh, was down to one half loaf between them all. So again, the wife proposed, husband, husband, we can't go on like this. Let us take the children again deep into the great dark wood and leave them there. Where they might meet with unique opportunities. So, again, the children overheard the conversation. Gretel said, Hansel, Hansel, what should we do? They need to leave us deep in the great dark wood. Hansel said, never fear. I shall think of something. So, again, when the family was asleep, he attempted to, to uh, escape the house through the window. But his stepmother had barred it because she didn't want him filling his pocket with white stones this time. So there was no way out of the house. So Hansel had to think of another plan. The next day, the family set out into the great dark wood. And each of the children was given a small piece of bread as they had been the last time. So this time, Hansel again stopped periodically to look back at the house. What he was doing was breaking up his piece of bread and dropping crumbs along the path since he didn't have any white stones to leave. So the family went deep, deep, deep into the dark wood, past the first clearing, and found another where the father again built the fire, gave, and set the children down and told them that they would return for them. The children ate their bread, sat by the fire, fell asleep, and once again awoke when it was dark. Gretel was again terrified, said, Hansel, Hansel, what should we do? But Hansel said, never fear, I've left a trail of breadcrumbs. But when he turned around and looked to find it, it wasn't there. For the birds of the forest had eaten all of the crumbs, and the children were lost and stranded, deep in the great dark wood, couldn't find their way home. They wandered for one day, Two days, three whole days they wandered without anything to eat, and they were despairing of ever finding a, a home and comfort when they came upon a small cottage. And wonder of wonders, the walls of the cottage were made of bread, and the shingles of the roof of the cottage were made of slices of cake, and the windows were made of spun sugar. The children were ravenous, they hadn't eaten for three days. So they fell to eating the house without a thought when they heard a voice from inside. <coughs> nibble, nibble, little mouse, who is gnawing on my house? And an old woman emerged from the house. Oh, what beautiful children you are. Please come in and have a delicious meal with me. So she sat the children down and gave, gave them great big glasses of milk and they had warm pancakes with fruit and nuts and it was delicious. And they ate until they were full, and they fell asleep. The next morning, though, when they woke up, they found that the old woman was not a kind old woman at all. She was a witch, and she had locked Hansel in the stable. 
And she woke Gretel up and said, Get up, you lazy bones! You need to go and draw water and chop wood and boil the water and make porridge, because I need to fatten up your brother and eat him. So Gretel had to go chop the water and boil it and make porridge and serve it to Hansel day after day. And she fed him all kinds of delicious things, of which she got nothing. Hansel got to eat porridge and roasted chickens and bread and milk and all sorts of delicious things. Uh, as he ate, Hansel secreted a little bone because he had a secret plan. The, the witch made him every day put his finger outside of the stable so that she could feel it and see if it was getting fat enough because she wanted him to be juicy and succulent when she ate him. And Hansel, every day, he put out a bone just like this. It felt just like this. And the witch couldn't see very well, so she believed that he was his finger. So week after week, she kept feeding him, and he wouldn't get any fatter. Well, he was getting a lot fatter, but the bone wasn't. Finally, she lost patience. Said, Gretel, I've waited long enough. I mean to eat your brother today. Go and draw some water and start the oven up. So uh, Gretel got some water from the well, lit up a fire, and kindled the fire in the oven. So the, because the witch wanted to bake some bread to go with the juicy slices of Hansel. Uh, so when she was ready to cook, she asked Gretel to see if the oven was hot enough to bake the bread. Gretel knew what she was up to, for she meant to cook Gretel too. So Gretel came up to the door of the oven and pretended she couldn't fit herself in. It was plenty large enough. But Gretel was a clever girl. And she said, I'm sorry, but I can't seem to fit into the oven to see if it's hot enough. The witch shoved her aside said, silly girl, I can walk into the oven myself. And she did so to prove her point. Gretel immediately slammed the door and they roasted the witch to death. Looking around the cottage, in addition to all kinds of delicious food, they found sacks of rubies and pearls and gold. So they filled up their pockets, just as Hansel had filled his pockets with white stones earlier, and set off for home. As it turns out, the witch's house was right near the market road, so getting home was no problem whatsoever. When they got there, they found their father overjoyed to find to see them, and their stepmother had died. She was eaten by wild beasts. Yay! So Hansel, Gretel, their father, and, and all lived happily ever after on the gold and the rubies and pearls, and that's the end. Thank you. Lavish line. 
he withdrew from the table, stood up with a stump, tore off his clothes, punched down on the floor, clawed <coughs> with his toes, and his arms started flapping like wings, and he went As you might imagine, the entire room was quiet. They were all stunned. What is this prince doing acting like a chicken? He looked at the king and the queen, and he let out a
quietly walked in, at which point the prince rushed him.
That evening, they slept on the mattress, they woke again to fresh baked bread, but the room was even colder. And as they sat huddling together under the blanket, the old man asked the prince, since you're so familiar with people's ways, what clever habit do they have to keep themselves warm on a uh, day like today? <coughs> and the said, why, people wear clothes. And he pointed to their bundle of clothes. The old man overcoat his woolen trousers and his boots. He says, mm, this is delicious. And the prince, buttoning up the shirt he hadn't worn for over a month, said, brilliant! <laughs> <laughs> and they were very warm together. And after they finished, their bread. They were often walking around the room, and as night fell, in came a huge steaming pot of stew, candlesticks, that beautiful braided hala bread. A old man asked the prince, what is this? And he replied, this is the Sabbath feast. And the old man looked at the spread, and a smile spread across his face. And he said, let's stand and light the candles together. <coughs> for it is only poor roosters that have to huddle on the ground. And so they sat down to a gorgeous feast. And after they were finished, the old man looked at the uh, prince solemnly and said, My dear friend, a week has passed, and it is time for me to go home. How I feel sorry for you, for roosters are not treated kindly in this house. Roosters have no warmth, no good food, no clothes. How will you manage without me? And the prince just sighed, for he was losing his own friend. The old man stroked his beard and said,
So flour miller had to continue cooking the shrimp. But that didn't stop him from asking for more things. He asked for a fish pond full of golden fish. He asked for a chest full of rubies and emeralds and diamonds. He asked for musicians and actors and dancers to entertain him. He asked for the, the finest and newest video games. He got everything he asked for. After many months of this, the flower seller got tired. <coughs> tired of cooking the shrimp. Tired of looking at that snot nose of the child. And he thought to himself, why do I need to do this anymore? I have everything I need. So he picked up the child, took him outside, put him on the road and said, go back to where you came from. I'm done with you. Oh, he went back to There on the side of the road, not in his voice, shook his head sadly. Then he snotted into his right And just like that, the mansion went back to the hut as before. As the flower seller was as poor, if not poorer, than he's ever been before. And down beneath the waves, in the dragon.